Hey everyone, welcome to season two of Before the Come Up. It's just wild that we've already had one semester of our MBA journey go by. We're now in our second semester. That means we're in season two of Before the Come Up. I think what's so cool about this podcast is we have the opportunity to see where as a class we go throughout our journey. So in this second semester, I'm sure the things that are on some of our guests' minds have changed. And it will be really interesting to follow that story as we progress through each season and each semester. It's great to be done with the core, personally. I don't know how the rest of you feel, but I can uh, guess that it's the same. And it's awesome that we now get to pick our electives and start really making the most of the reason why we came to business school, which is, you know, to hone our crafts and meet people. And what better place to do that in our brand new campus? Um, this new building is definitely a game changer. Already, I'm seeing so many new faces that I never had the chance to see in Eurus because I don't know how everyone else feels. But after class in Eurus, I was trying to get out of there as fast as possible. Now with this new campus, I don't mind spending a little bit extra time there. It's just so beautiful. So many great study spaces. It just feels like a really special opportunity. In this first episode of season two, indeed the first episode recorded in our new building we're going to be speaking to ijoma i think you guys are really going to enjoy this so let's get right into it i'm so so excited to be joined by ijoma welcome thank you gt i'm so excited to be on and i can't believe you're already on season two yeah no it's unbelievable it's it's crazy first semester kind of flew by um but you know it, it had a kind of intensity which i think is intentional for business school first semesters this new semester first episode recorded in our new building in the new building boo, 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 boo. <laughs> we're out here it's got a different vibe um it, it's just great so yeah. let's get right into it Sijuma. um why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from where you grew up what was life like when you were younger okay so i'm from nigeria um specifically from the southeastern region of Nigeria, so Igbo. Um, I know a lot of people know Lagos, but it's fine. We love Lagos. <laughs> um, and yeah, I grew up, I, I was born in Nigeria. My family and I came to the United States in 1995. So it was actually, when I look back and think about the fact that my parents came to the US with five children, um, maybe mid to like, my parents are 10 years apart. So like mid, like late thirties to forties, like mind blown. Like it's actually pretty insane. Um, so when we moved, we moved to, um, Jersey city. Um, my mom's older sister was living in Jersey city with her family. So when we first came here for Nigeria for the first, I want to say it was probably like four months we were living in my aunt's house. She is my mom's oldest sister, um, and she had five kids. So, yeah, it was more than, and it wasn't like, you know, they had a two-family house. Um, they owned the two-family, but we they lived only upstairs. So it was packed for the first couple of months of coming to the U.S., and we came during the big blizzard. 
We ended up staying with them for a bit and not that long. Then they moved and we got an apartment, etc. So I grew up in Jersey City, um, you know, and uh, yeah, I schooled in Jersey City for I think maybe up to like seventh grade. Mm. And then my parents bought a house. And when I think about it now, looking back, like being immigrants with five kids and then I had a younger sister that was born in 98. Wow, yeah. Um, I don't know how they did it. I actually don't know how they did it. And, and it's always so interesting and humbling to kind of like, you know, always look at their story from like starting and like literally my parents literally. It's always interesting when you're coming into another country how a lot of our stories are similar in the sense that you've had a whole nother life elsewhere mm. and you are pretty much starting from the bottom yeah. all over again and my parents worked at mcdonald's wow. um and you know when i look back my, my mom had multiple jobs um my dad was working at mcdonald's and then they graduated to like working at like caldor which was like a walmart it doesn't exist anymore um but you know when i look back I, it's always just like wow how did they do it how did they do it so yeah i grew up in jersey city and then my parents bought a house in union so it was like Going from like the inner city to like um, Union, which is like I guess like suburban, but like the, the streets were wider, and you could <laughs> the streets are wider. Um, you know, you know there were more houses compared to like Jersey City as apartments, and like yeah, Jersey City has yeah. obviously houses, but you know what I mean. Like the energy was different. Going to a new school system. Um, and then that's kind of where I discovered, like, you know, my love for running. So I moved to Union, lived in Union all throughout um, high school. Um, and in Union, I mean, you know, like I said, I come from a pretty big family. So there was never really a shortage of, like, inter like fun or craziness in the family. <laughs> you know, having older... So I'm number four of six. Okay. And what's the, like, distribution? Like, how many girls, how many Yeah, boys? so it's three boys, three girls. Wow. Yeah, my, my baby sister made it even. <laughs> right. Um, and we're all super close. Like, I love my siblings. We're all really, really close-knit. They're, like, my best friends. Um, and, yeah, so I grew up there, you know, lived in Union, um, while I was in Union, like I said, running was a huge part of my life. Um, you know, when I was, um, so I ran track and cross country all throughout for starting from seventh grade. Yeah. Um, it really anchored me quite a bit, um, you know, and yeah, it was a huge part of like my upbringing. In fact, um, so when I graduated, I was, I was pretty like young when I graduated from high school, I was 16. And I remember like wanting so badly to like pursue running, but I didn't really know. I didn't have a lot of like guidance and advice in terms of even how to really navigate like the college, like application experience or what that was. Like we, we pretty much figured it out on our own, but I knew I wanted to run. Like that was like my, if you ask me what my childhood dream was, I wanted to run in the Olympics. Wow. Like, um, and I still have to highlight this. I don't care. As many years pass, I feel like my coaches at Union were not passionate about it. Um, to to truly because we had such great talent. Right. right. We had such great talent, and I think about it now as someone who's really like into fitness and running and all that stuff. And we never hit the gym a day, and I like you know just small things. So you know, I look back, but that was definitely something I was really passionate about. Um, 
And then from there, graduated high school, um, and um, I actually, um, I don't know how I landed on pursuing a career in pharmacy, mm-hmm. but I think it was it was a mix of like hybrid. My dad, um, parental influence. I think there's the typical. African narrative of like what success looks like and they generally will guide you towards that and you know as an adult you realize that there's really no bad intention around it because that's what they have seen as success for for them um and I think it's particularly relevant for me because like one my mom is a school teacher so my mom was always a school teacher um, and my dad, when we were in Nigeria, he was a skilled trade entrepreneur. So my dad was working in the textile business, um, but he didn't have formal schooling. So, you know, it's always like that was a huge thing for him to transition to America because it's like, well, how will my life change, you know, with this thing? But it's I'm always just like so appreciative of him taking the risk of, it's a risk, but like deciding to say, okay, I don't know what my life is going to look like when I go to this other place, but I want to have something better for my children. Um, so yeah, so I don't know how my dad found out about pharmacy. I started planting it in my head. So, <laughs> you know, they do that. Yeah. Um, they really do that. And, and, and now when I look back, one of my, um, one of my uncles actually, one of my uncles is a pharmacist. He's not like a blood uncle, but like, um, so my dad, I don't know if you're familiar with like, at least Igbo culture, it's almost like something where you say like apprenticeship. Mm. Um, and it's a huge tenet for um, Igbo culture, um, basically. And it's, I think it's truly tied to like, kind of like cultural beliefs of like, if you're gonna rise, you bring other people with you kind of mindset. Um, so at the time, the uncle that I'm referring to, my dad basically was like an apprentice to his dad. So my dad worked with him for quite some time in his in his youth um, and lived with them for quite some time. So that's how he's my uncle. But that uncle is a pharmacist. So I remember when I was looking at pharmacy programs, um, I was deciding between, I only applied to three schools. I didn't know that you're supposed to apply to a bunch of schools in high school. I didn't know that. I applied to three pharmacy programs, um, and I got into two of the three, mm-hmm. um, and I chose Rutgers, yeah. and I ended up at Rutgers, and I, so the pharmacy program is a doctor program, so it's doctor pharmacy. Wow. Six years of blood, sweat, and tears oh at a young age. I listen. I swore I was never going back to school after that. I don't know. How, I ten years later, I'm here. <laughs> We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Uh, what ultimately decided, like the path that you would ultimately take to come and get your MBA? But before we get there, I want to drill down on a few things you mentioned, and I want to talk a little bit more about the upbringing you were describing. And I'm just very curious about how you navigated what is a very common issue for people who are either coming um, from a different country, immigrating, or people who are first generation, who um, have parents who are African, who identify with the African culture, but they're born into Europe or America. How did you um, kind of navigate that? And... A follow-up question is, like, how did you... What were, like, the challenges? Because (laughs) I know, like, when anyone in CBS 
you know, has the pleasure of meeting you, Joma, you know that she's one of the people who is unapologetically herself. You know, when you're speaking to her, you get authenticity. But when you take a step back, you've had to navigate so many different cultures. So how yeah. do you shine that authentic self through having to navigate those different cultures? And I know, like, going to high school in America, like... I'm curious. Like, I can only imagine there must have been so many different challenges and stuff. I know that's a long question. That, no, but. that is so kind of you. And, you know, I think, like, um, I don't know. I've kind of always, you know, when I look back, I've always just been me. There are elements through my career where you kind of are almost taught, like, you know, whether it's your pursuit for success, you'll tell you you have to adapt. But I've had specific moments in my life where I was like, no. Like, I'm going to just show up as me. <laughs> you're going to get what you're going to get. <laughs> but growing up in, um, you know, growing up in the inner city, I'm not going to front. Like, it's weird when I look back. Um, it's like a hybrid, right? Like, I think my parents, my parents really did a great job with, um, they almost created a bubble mm. that we didn't even realize we were kind of living in a bubble. Because to be honest, Moving back, moving out of Union, and revisiting where we lived um, as an adult, I was like, dang, we were living here? Wow. I didn't realize, like, you know, like, we lived in a hot spot, um, you know, going back and looking in that area. And um, I think my parents, they really, you know, they really did a great job with trying to, like, insulate us as much as possible. I think there were definitely times where it was really difficult, um, and also for them trying to navigate having a huge family. Because um, I feel like what they did was a little atypical to like most people who migrate, right? Like, especially Africans. Like, sometimes if you have a bigger family, one person will come and then eventually they'll bring the other, the, right. they'll bring the rest of the family, but they, they kind of all did it at once. So, um, yeah, like, you know, um, it wasn't always easy. Like, I feel like as, Maybe like my, 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 my older siblings, specifically my brothers, maybe had it harder navigating being in the inner city. And like I did too, I got into some fights. You know, you had to learn to kind of stand up for yourself living in, living in the inner city yeah. um, neighborhoods. But like it wasn't something that I had to like endure for a really long time per se. And it wasn't always bad, but like you, you gotta learn some street smarts, right? Um, and I would say like, um, I think it's a mix of just always being somebody who, you know, my family will always say that, like, I've always been, like, very in tune with, like, really showing up as myself. Yeah. Like, you know, I... So what's the secret to that? This might be it, right? Like, I think the idea of being emotional is seen as negative, mm -hmm. right? Which I don't believe, right? And I, I genuinely, I'm in tune with how my feelings, like, yeah. like consistently whether it's i'm feeling happy i'm feeling like i honor my feelings mm. and that's always been something that's guided me and i think it's helped me to show up like there are some times where it doesn't always <laughs> but but 80 percent of the time it's and i'm good with 80 percent yeah, right yeah. like i'm i'm good with 80 percent and um and i think over time just being leaning into that more than like seeing it as a negative mm -hmm. Um, and and realizing that that level of like maybe that in t um, being in tune or uh, propensity to being open to being vulnerable, I realized is actually a superpower. Mm. Um, and I realized it more working in the healthcare space, 
right? So obviously you go through pharmacy training, et cetera. And I really enjoyed, um, and I still do enjoy like the element of like helping people and talking to people. And, you know, when you work as a pharmacist, you, people come to you with everything. Like, you know, it is a role that I truly believe is undervalued in the healthcare space just because of the nature of um, what the pharmacy experience looks like. But, you know, I worked as a pharmacist at Walgreens for like five years, right? Like, and I worked across the gamut of like um, social classes in neighborhoods, right? Like I worked in Irvington and East Orange in New Jersey, which is like, you know, the inner city to all the way to like, you know, whether it's Short Hills or like in Bergen County, the theme that's the same is like people are really, um, people really confide in their healthcare professionals, but really their pharmacists and they trust you with a lot of stories. And I have a story, like I remember I worked, I covered, um, I covered a pharmacist in Livingston and um, in Livingston, New Jersey, um, she's like my pseudo auntie, right? Like it's like one of the aunties, we all, go to, our families know each other and I covered her store. And I remember, and she's also a, a black woman, and I remember covering her store, and um, one of the customers came and was like, oh, where's so-and-so, is she in today? And like, they were just like not happy, because that was how close-knit and how much they right. were really connected to her. It's like, wait, is she being replaced? So the notion of this person, familiar face, and maybe like, a similar familiar face as a black woman, like being there is like, am I replacing her? And it's like, no, I was like, no, she's coming back. They're like, okay, good, because we can't lose her. And that was like, honestly, similar energy that I got from like the stores that I worked at regularly. Like they really leaned in and like confided in you with quite a lot. And it makes sense because your medical information is very personal. So there's like a vulnerability. So I think through that process of like also leaning in and almost requiring people to be vulnerable for me to be able to do aspects of my job well, I kind of without realize picked up on elements of that without realizing the value of it. Um, Because it's almost like to advocate for patients, you have to kind of like walk in their shoes um, and and be able to see things from their lens. So um, yeah, like... You know, I, I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a little bit of my personal Libra energy, too, you know, <laughs> um, as well. But, yeah, I think that's some of and And, and also just being in a, um, you know, looking back, I, I really always fought to have my voice heard, mm. right? Like, as a child, like, my parents always, you know, till now, like, I think they, there's obviously a healthy respect for, like, that now, um, but it wasn't always the case. Like, I was always like, oh, it's not fair. Somebody's not doing something that I always like. I like justice. Right, right, right. <laughs> I like justice and, and as a equity. Kid, sometimes, you know, <laughs> that takes a back seat when it no, comes to like. They don't care. Yeah, uh-uh. <laughs> like, it's not fair. Take it as it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of, I think it's like kind of like a hodgepodge of things like upbringing and like just my own personal journey and like, you know, um, yeah, like personal evolution and just really finding the things about myself that I really love. I really like those elements of me and just staying true to that. And like you either, it makes me great at, it's made me great. It's been an element of every point of success I've had in every step of like my life, personally, professionally and everything. 
Thank you so much for that. Um, so now I want to get into what inspired you to pursue an MBA. So if I understand the picture correctly, so you do pharmacy school, six-year investment, you come out, you go into the field you planned. So tell us a little bit about that timeline and then ultimately what sparked the idea that, okay, uh, I hated school because it was six years of grind. I promised myself I'd never go again. So now here you are. Pursuing. Yeah. So there's so much, I guess, I have to kind of fill in right. to get to that point. Um, so, you know, even though I worked as a pharmacist at Walgreens, I, I kind of always knew that that was not where I was going to be, um, to end up. And, um, and I was figuring it out. I spent quite a few years figuring it out, which makes sense, right? And somehow I landed in, like, I guess not really somehow because in my own way I created like I created the I like prepared for the opportunity to like arise. So, you know, pharmacy did that for a bit, um, and you know, and then uh, so I guess I have two parallel. I got two paths to kind of mm. talk about. So there's the formal traditional path, which was you know I did pharmacy and then I transitioned. Um, I was very interested in, um, I was very interested in like finding ways to advocate for patients okay. in a non-traditional way. So the traditional way was being a pharmacist or working in a clinical, on, like as a clinical pharmacist in a hospital or whatever. But I was really keen on like, um, health literacy and patient education and figuring out ways to like empower and advocate for patients um in a certain way so that was what i was thinking about at those at like you know post pharmacy school this was like maybe like 2013 24 like i graduated 2011 but i started to think about this like 2013 14 and I found myself um, volunteering at like a patient ed company because i knew the transition unfortunately we can talk about this more. It's like when you want to navigate your career and pivot because you have an interest, I find it so frustrating that, you know, you're, it's so difficult to enter new spaces. Um, and it's such a limiting factor in like recruitment yeah. process. But like, yeah, so I had to like volunteer. So I would, vo I volunteered my time at this um, health education agency. Um, and then it kind of was something I could put on my resume. Sure. Um, so I put it on my resume and then it opened the doors for me to have a career in like marketing and advertising. I never, I never thought about that as something that I liked, but it started to make sense while I was there because I've always been a creative person. Right. Um, and like growing up, you know, um, I was really into the arts too, right? Like yeah. I um, I remember winning like you know you live in the inner city you do like these different contests and like your sneakers if you drew like the best sneakers they would hang it at the at the time they would hang it at the bank right the, wow, like or right, they would select right. you to do like these art programs um, so I would always do all of that and I continued it through high school I took like art classes um, I took like oh man I I kind of I took art classes I took pottery classes. You know, I took um, sewing. Like, I was really into all of that. So it's just always been a core. But so, like, you know, the marketing space was, like, interesting to... I, I um, It was interesting. So the first marketing role I had was at Ogilvy. And quite frankly, I interviewed and did not realize how big of a deal Ogilvy was. <laughs> 
until I got out the interview and I told my cousin. I was like, yeah, I just finished my interview at this place. And he's like, oh, where? I was like, oh, this place. He's like, Ogilvy. I was like, yeah. He's like, whoa, that's like a big deal. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know. I really, I I prepared for my interview, but I didn't really, right. you know. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of started my career in like marketing um, specifically like in healthcare marketing and advertising. Mm -hmm. So working with like big pharma companies, one of the pharma companies I had worked in in the therapeutic area was like for uh, Pfizer's drug for um, rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting to kind of see how the interconnection of like my passion for like um, science and like my healthcare background integrated with like my interest in like educating consumers and also like on the creative side. So all of this creative flair really helped me to stand apart from my medical colleagues because most people are PhDs or like, um, you know, or like a few MDs, but they didn't have the creative flair. They didn't have the clear creative flair. Sure, yeah. And it really helped me a lot because a lot of what you do in marketing and advertising, especially on the healthcare side is there's a lot of integration with like your art directors and like your um, your copywriters and creative team in a alongside with you know the clients and so it's a very it's a client um, it's a client centric uh, uh, I guess role or job so it was really cool to see how those two married but the other parallel that was kind of always in the background post school post pharmacy school all this time I'd always been interested in working as a makeup artist. Oh, wow. That was like my secret thing. What like a I, <laughs> what? Okay. I always wanted to be. I always loved makeup, yeah. and um, specifically my fourth year. So the way the pharmacy program is set up is you do your first four years, which are pretty rigorous um, in terms of like your classes. So you're taking all your therapeutic classes from cardiology. You're taking. Um, Man, you're taking all, like, you're taking pharmacology, you're taking cardiology, you're taking, uh, like, uh, pharmacokinetics, you're taking a lot of different, very technical classes, drug delivery, like, really understanding how, like, you know, um, drugs get to move through your body system, mm -hmm. right? Like, how it's, how it's um, actually absorbed, right? Like, all of that... Um, and the interaction between what the drug does to the body and what the body does to the drug. Like, we are taking all these classes, technical classes, and then, like, your last two years are more, like, centric, um, more clinical. Okay. Um, so you're doing rotations, and basically you have to... I don't remember, it's, it's so far along now, like I don't remember the exact specifics, but of, I think maybe it's like eight weeks in different clinical rotations and you know, you select them, but you have your preset. So a lot of clinical work, working in the hospital. Um, I also got a chance to like go out to like Kayenta, um, Arizona to work with the Indian Health Services, which was an incredible, like truly incredible experience. Um, I was doing all of that but I distinctly remember my fifth year, the summer I was supposed to be doing my first hospital rotation, really wanting to work as a makeup artist for that summer. And I remember journaling about that. And um, I still have the journal. And, <laughs> and so I knew that that was never going to really pan out with my family or my parents. Like they were gonna look at me like I was crazy and laugh at me, which they did. <laughs> um, but, 
after I finished, um, my cousin really encouraged me to like lean into it. Yeah. My cousin and also my mentor, a mentor that I met when I, um, who's still my mentor now, she was working at Celgene and I interviewed at Celgene, well, what was Celgene at the time? And I met her and she was like, she really encouraged me to like lean in and like preserve like whatever that creative thing was for myself to keep it. So after I finished, I like I bought a make I eventually was doing makeup. I was like, you know, I'm gonna try to do this makeup thing. I did a friend's I did my friend's sister's makeup for her prom. Mm. Um and then <laughs> and I guess her cousin was there, saw me doing her makeup and hired me for her wedding. <laughs> she trusted me for her wedding. She was <laughs> that's crazy. But she did and that's kind of where it started. I bought a little box. I bought some, you know, makeup. Um and I kind of took off with that and and that you know, that journey of figuring out how these two things fit into my life was really big too. I think it was really integral to like my personal like self-evolution journey and being showing up authentically as myself, all of that because even when I did have my makeup, I remember when I first started, I kind of had like an alias name because you know, you're working in corporate America, you don't want people to know that you're a makeup artist because then one, you're a pharmacist, you're supposed to show up with the quote-unquote authority like yeah. in in the knowledge of what you have. Um, and now you're trying to do makeup artistry, like they're not, it's gonna look crazy to some people, right? Um, so I was just like, that didn't seem like the thing that I was supposed to um, yeah. do. So I had like an alias name. Um, and you know, I tried to disguise that for a bit, but then I started to lean into it. I had a supervisor at, at uh, Ogilvy, and she was very encouraging of me to like, you love that. You should really think about it. And she started planting the seed in my mind. Um, and it was really cool. And I'm so grateful to her. Um, so, yeah, I started doing makeup. And, you know, I started just hustling on the weekends, coming into the city when I wasn't working at Walgreens, you know, picking up clients here and there and really mastering, like, looking through magazines, really being... I had a very particular style of makeup that I loved. Like, I wanted... And also, like, that style is also just inspired by, like, different people. Um, Bobby Brown was such a huge inspiration. Like, inspiration in the sense of, like, her style, the style of makeup and, like, what she used makeup as more so, like, a tool for, like, confidence. Like, it's, like, more refinement. It's not really transformation. So I started studying a lot of people and, like, taking, like, um, classes, like, learning from, like, um, Sam Fine and, like, you know, really some like heavy hitters in the in the beauty space taking their classes um, um so i just started investing in my craft and it just kind of was a hobby for a bit and i was like yo i actually i'm really good at this and i went through this personal space where i was like do i do this full time do i not and you know i think there was a time when there's just so much noise in terms of like how you should pursue your life and career like you know, at the time too, I was much younger. I was trying to figure it out. Like, do I do makeup full time or do I leave this and, and do pharmacy? But, and I thought, and I went through a point where I was like, no, I should just do makeup full time. But then I was like, no, I love, I was really, I, I, I was almost missing, um, 
I'd almost not appreciated the blessing of having two things that I really right. enjoyed, right. right? Because I was so busy hearing the noise of like what people are telling you. Oh, like you know, if you don't do the side hustle thing, like you gotta do, jump into it. But don't jump into it. <laughs> Like, whatever works for you, works for you. And it took me some time to realize that. But in the process of thinking about a lot of that, like, it, it really helped to shape me as well. And um, I think it started to give me a different eye to, like, how to, like, look at how I could marry these two things that I was really passionate about and what that could potentially look like. And there was a point in my professional career where... Um, I decided to take I decided to, to take a pause. And it wasn't really like it was not the best strategy at the time, but it was probably one of the more transformational moments in my career. Um, I remember I quit I had quit my job at Ogilvy after three years and to go somewhere else, right? And I landed at this other place and I hated it. I hated it so much and I always promised myself that I would never work somewhere where I hated. Like, I would never have that feeling. I, that was the feeling that I didn't want to have to honor every single day. As somebody who's like, I honor whatever I'm feeling. Right. And I was just like, no. So after four months, I was like, okay, I'm going to quit. Bad decision. <laughs> it was a horrible decision. It was not the best, like, in. but in retrospect, I probably wouldn't do it any differently because... That was such a huge time for me, and, and it, it gets me to this point of like yeah. why MBA and like what it's what it meant for me. Um, I just started to like really reflect, and and you know one thing that's really important that I, I can't exclude, never can exclude out of my story is like my faith, and like leaning in on that, and like trying to like navigate this new space where I made a decision that wasn't necessarily I didn't really prepare for. Um, and I had, I literally had to lean on my faith to like get through it all. Like I, I had no job <laughs> and I quit and, and I thought it would only take me a few months to get a new job, but two months became six months. Um, and it was a long period of time, but I, I really appreciated that time because I explored a lot. Like, you know, I I explored getting a job in California. I explored a lot of different things. And I, like, I really sat down and, like, really had... It was a huge part of my also, like, faith walk um, to really um, establish my, my spiritual relationship with God. And, like, that was a huge part of it. And that's where I started to think, okay, what type of impact did I want to make? Like, how could I join these two things that I've always been passionate about? And... I'd always wanted to like go to Nigeria, like have my own personal experience of Nigeria, right? Like I always had my parents' story because I was so young when I came. And even when I graduated, I explored, I talked about it. Like I didn't really know how to navigate the idea of like going back to like work in Nigeria. Um, but like, you know, at the same time, my parents weren't necessarily that encouraging of it because I was really open to exploring like different options, like after I finished, um, cause I was so young. I, I, I graduated with my farm D at 22. Wow. So I was just like, dude, I need to figure out stuff. Like I just didn't, f I felt like there was just so much more I needed to figure out. And there was also a bit of a pressure to continue in that path to like support my family too, right? Like so, um, but it was always that juxtaposition, like trying to like figure out what that looked like. Um, but I'm, 
But yeah, like circling back to like 2017, 2018, um, that's really when I started to think like, what did I want to do? Like what mattered to me? I knew beauty mattered. I knew health mattered. And I knew Africa mattered. And I just started praying on those things. And just slowly but surely, just things started to like evolve. There were other little things I did in between, like I, I had a, a beauty blog for a bit and, you know, I paused it when I started wor working. Like, But like the consistent things were like, I was really passionate about beauty. I was really passionate about health. Um, and I'd always been passionate about like Africa. So I just wrote it. I wrote it down. And, you know, there's a uh, Bible verse um, and I'm not a perfect quoter. I'm a, uh, I'm a uh, paraphraser. Paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a paraphraser. It's like write it down and wait, right? When, when, and when the time comes, it will manifest, basically. Like, that's basically what it's saying. Um, and actually, my mentor from Celgene gave me that quote 2010 when I met her. And I remember, gave me that verse, and I remember keeping that and honoring that and um yeah I think that's kind of when this idea of MBA started to come into play I said okay I have beauty I know I have the passion I have the the know-how I can you know I love the, the ability to like flex talking about makeup one day to talking about the next you know life-changing therapy on this I love the, the ability to be able to do that um, and I knew Africa has always been something that I've, I know, you know, it's always been something that's, that I wanted to stay truly connected to and make an impact um, on in some way, shape or form, right? So I just started to just think about it and say, okay, what were, how, do, what was missing? Um, and also, yeah, the MBA seemed like it was a technical element of what was missing. But quite frankly, being here, yes, I'm gaining all these new skill sets, but I really think my journey here is way more than just like the school element of it. I think that there's like a refining for me that's personally happening, like just of myself, questions I'm asking myself and like, you know, having not had the opportunity to be as selfish as I am being now in terms of like fully dedicating uninterrupted time to like inward reflection and like career reflection, trying stuff and not, and like really not having to worry about a deadline for for job. Yes, we have school deadlines, but it's a little different. Um, and yeah, so that's where I am now. Like, I just knew those were the three things in my story and I wrote down a vision. Sometimes I, I'm nervous to always, I don't know if I wanna share it yet. Um, but those three things combined, I do talk, I do, I have mentioned it and, and it was the, the anchor for why it made sense for me to come back to school and um, really connect in that way to explore my MBA. My natural next question was to ask about your passions and the things that you're excited <laughs> about, but you kind of covered that already. Um, and it, you know, from your previous answer, it, it was so cool to hear about this, like, passion for beauty. And I would like you to kind of, like, tell us a little bit more about, like, some of the things you've been doing in this space. So, of course, um, as some may know, you have your own podcast. I do. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and um, kind of what you have learned down that road as well? Man, that journey. Um, yeah. So, I, you know... 
the podcast kind of started as a way for me to one keep um honor what I told myself I wanted to do right like even if it was in a small way to honor this vision this grand idea of mine um and then two I love podcasts so I listen to podcasts I don't watch TV much but I listen to podcasts all the time and you know I think that beauty space is quite interesting and um um you know beauty is one of those things where I truly believe it's so personal um and it means different things for different people and I've really had the honor to be able to um support women in honoring that in whatever shape or form that looks like for them um and but for me I always felt like you know we came through a time there's been such a huge um voice in like advocating for diversity in the beauty space whether it's diversity in like the campaigns or the diversity in complexion shades that are available to women and like people seeing themselves represented authentically um and there were quite a few different podcasts out there and I'm like I said I'm a podcast listener I love podcasts and I'm a child I, I can talk but like, but I also like, I wanted to just have a different narrative out there. And, you know, the thing for me about Africa and like, yes, there's been some momentum in terms of how people are viewing Africa. I just always felt like they just weren't enough positive representations. And especially in the beauty space, um, there was a moment for me, which I kind of highlighted too in my applications where um, I remember going to this, con- uh, there was a conference I attended and it was supposed to be a really formidable, it was a great conference, but the one thing that really stood out for me and it was just like this continuation of like a really negative stereotype or a negative element of the beauty space in, in Africa and probably honestly around the world, um, colorism, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and how that's manifesting and like, um, and how, um, you know, you always just heard negative stories of like, you know, skin bleaching, especially in Nigeria, right? Like how much there was that was just a huge element of like the beauty market. And it is, it's a sad reality. It's not it's not exclusive to Nigeria. It's not exclusive to Africa, quite frankly. Um, it, it's everywhere. It's in Malaysia, it's in the it's it's in South America. Yeah, it's everywhere. And um And I think part of that, so that was an element that was like somewhat of a driving force, like wanting to have a different narrative. But then I said, no, I wanted to amplify the fact that Africa played such a huge role in the global beauty industry for a lot of its raw materials. So for the longest, you didn't really, you know, shea butter. We could talk about shea butter, like, you know, Ugandan, like Ghana is a huge, you know, uh, a lot of women are producing shea butter all across West Africa, right? Burkina Faso, Nigeria, Ghana, and like shea, like name me a lotion that you probably have that does not have some type of shea butter, right? Like shea is such an incredible ingredient, but that's not the only one, right? Like there were so many moringa, baobab, like there are so many ingredients that were being sourced out of the continent but never being given, uh, properly being represented or any type of like attribution back to the continent. Um, So there was an element of me that really wanted to speak about Africa, especially as it pertains to its role in the beauty space in a very positive way, but also connect 
I, I truly believe beauty, health, and wellness are connected. Like if you, there's a, there's a, there's a connection that does not have to be, you don't need to market it. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, but like, I wanted to like amplify that narrative a bit more and also speak about, like create a space that honored, you know, um, not just the aspect of it being a technical, like the raw materials and all of that coming out of Africa, but telling the stories of the people there, telling the stories of the entrepreneurs and like inviting that narrative and exploring other um, cultural, um, you know, beauty rituals that are coming out of Africa and just like the really diverse, the diversity of, 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 the diversity of what beauty means truly in Africa, 54 countries, like everybody has something that's different for them. There are just beauty rituals that people, you know, honor across the continent. So it was just really cool to, I just started thinking like what type of conversation was missing in the beauty space that I wanted to hear. So I honestly created the podcast almost for myself. Yeah. You know, I was like, I wanted to hear stuff. I wanted to like also learn. I felt like I didn't, know myself either so it was a journey of like finding brands and finding i knew there were some that i already knew about and they were like the people i like i knew there were a lot of that and i also wanted to like talk to like you know larger organizations that were making it a priority to like amplify and like do activations in africa and like support that you know um skin empowerment narrative and things like that um, and, you know, have also real conversations about some of the challenges as well, because, you know, it's important to talk about some of the challenges. So it's been a really cool journey, um, you know, and I want to add this because you were you've been podcasting since we started school, which is incredibly impressive because I don't think people really know all that it takes to like produce an episode. It's a lot of work. I wrote down the steps for me. I got 17 steps. And I'm one person doing it all, right? So I think it was just really cool to see that you were able to really kick this off in the middle of core. Incredible. Because I said the opposite to myself. I said, I gotta, I gotta be present in this moment for me, right? Like I wanted to like, one, I moved to New York. And yes, I lived in New Jersey, but I'm a Jersey girl. Like I like going home to quiet and trees and like, you know, and like wake up, I can see the sun. Like, the birds jumping. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like transitioning here and like also really wanted to be present in that first experience. So I took a break. Um, but you know, I'm now kicking back up my second season. Amazing. Um, Let people really know where excited. they can find you. Yeah. So it's name? called the podcast is called the Sub-Saharan Beauty Podcast, and it was very I was very intentional about that because whenever you hear Sub-Sahara Africa or Sub-Sahara, I just felt like it was never followed with anything beautiful. So I was like, no, it should be the Sub-Saharan Beauty Podcast. Um, that's what I wanted it to represent, like something beautiful. So it's been really cool. Like I have some really great guests that I've been interviewing. So I batch record um, and, you know, um, and I'm also currently like a media partner for a huge conference coming up in Nigeria in March. Um, it's called the Botanical, it's called the Bona Expo, Botanical, Natural and Organic 
um, Africa conference. So their whole goal is to continue this amplification of like, um, you know, um, the green beauty or clean beauty space coming out of Africa because truly the essence of clean beauty and the essence of like the idea of like farm to skin products, we've chosen to call it just clean beauty here. It's honoring like botanicals and all of that. Um, and that's what the, the women that are creating their brands, that's what they're doing. Like, you know, I was in, um, before school, I was in Kenya and I discovered this, discovered, I, I bought this brand. And um, I don't like that word. I just used the word. I didn't like, sorry. <laughs> I found, it's like the, I discovered. <laughs> no, but I found this brand and man, that stuff was good. Yeah. I was like, I wish I bought so much more of uh -huh. it. The way I lathered right. in this, like, it was like this incredible mix of like bao bao, lemongrass. And my skin just felt so amazing. And I was like, you know, it was just dope. Like I bought it at the, um, I bought it when I was in Lamu in Kenya. And you know, just like, and I was talking with the lady and looking at her skin, how it was glowing. And I asked her what she was using and she pointed out all the stuff she was using. I was like, you know, it's just really powerful how, who, how it's so important um, for me. It was just really, the podcast is really, trying to give ownership or uh, or not ownership but like a voice um i think that a lot of times what happens out of africa a lot is taken out and not enough of people who are taking out are necessarily putting back in or if whatever that's being putting back in it's not necessarily thinking about what's in the best interest of the people there so it's been really dope like i had a, a brand um you know, one of my guests, actually all the episodes I've really loved. It's very dynamic. I've had, you know, beauty um, um, entrepreneurs and founders on, on the continent. I've had a few industry, like, experts from, like, Unilever and L'Oreal. I've had, um, I don't know if you've heard of them, um, but Rabito Clinic in Ghana. Right? Yeah, I've had them come in talking about like some of the work they're doing in the dermatology space in Ghana and like just in healthcare in general. So it's been really dope and, and I'm continuing and I, I love the aspect of just learning. Like that's been that's been the the most um that's been the part I've really loved and also just hearing like beauty is just a vehicle to the conversation. Like it, the podcast could literally be any other podcast. It could be a tech podcast, how a tech founder started X, but like we're talking through their journey of like how they created their brand, like more about them. Um, I have I have a guest that's coming on who's like a an exec at KPMG. KPMG and she has a beauty line yeah. in Nigeria so it's like you know different things like that just hearing their story and like how they're navigating and it's just like there's so much interconnectedness mm -hmm. so it's like I'm just using beauty as a vehicle to amplify not only Africa but you know um, amplify all that it pertains to Africa and the diaspora and it's not you know the podcast is not just for Africans like I genuinely think it's a great podcast where you're hearing people's authenticity and their stories and their narratives um and how they're how they're living their life and how they're creating how they're leaving a legacy or an impact and and creating the change they want to see amazing so cool cannot wait for those new episodes to drop yeah. um yeah really really exciting i love how you 
always trying to mix your creative, um, you know, your creative talents with the technical. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to ask a few kind of like quick fire questions ah, to, okay. you know, end the pod. Yeah. So I'm going to start with this one. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received um, was to always bet on myself. Yeah. A mentor of mine at Ogilvy, um, that was like one of the best advice that he gave me. He's like, yeah, like keep learning and keep betting on yourself. Amazing. Um, what should people on campus reach out to you for help about? I think listening uh, to this, I mean, people already have okay, some ideas. I love, <laughs> I love this. So um, they can reach out to, honestly, probably about anything. You know, I think we all kind of, I I think, well, not anything. Don't come to me talking about anything tech-related. No, I might ask you questions. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm really passionate about, like, the things I talked about, whether it's, you know, the beauty space or whether, you know, when we're talking about, like, healthcare space, it's, like, you know, empowering um, patients and, like, talking about that stuff. Um, but I, I love, like, skincare. We can talk about it. And, like, there are just different things I'm really... I think I shared a lot of it on oh, here. Sure. Um, so, yeah, any other things we talked about on there, even, like, if you want to start your own podcast, like, what it takes, because GT ain't giving you all the tea, but he's doing such a great job. But it is a lot of thank work. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it, you know, coming from you. you know, so, thank you. Yeah, so any other things we talked about, I'm more than happy to. And, and like, I think for me, too, it's been, like, I'm also really keen on just learning from a lot of people here. There, there are so many amazing, so many amazing people. Um, and I'm really making it a priority to like schedule more coffee chats to like connect with people and just like learn about other people and their own experiences, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, you were saying earlier about, you know, the motivation for starting your podcast. And I can definitely, definitely relate to that because from where I sit, I mean, I just really relish the opportunity to hear people's stories mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you, you literally never know what you're going to hear, what you're going to learn. And, uh, you know, on top of that, when people listen, I love hearing the stories of people saying that they heard something interesting on the podcast and then they reached out to that person and made them a connection. They wow. Went yeah. To coffee. That's, that's the best. That's the thing, best. You know, so uh, definitely relatable. Um, okay. So now I want to give you the opportunity to like spread some love Give shout outs to whoever you want. Oh, you know, <laughs> take your time. And, Who am I going to give know. a shout out to? You know, I really love my cluster. Oh, yeah. So I'm cluster E. Uh -huh. um, I think we just have some really sharp, like really smart and super caring people. I guess the most important people for me to always like always shout out to my family, okay. right? Like, I'm going to make sure they listen to this pod. Yes. They don't got no choice. Right. Yeah, I listen right. to the pod exactly. episode. Um, you know, they're really my cornerstone. And, like, the people I confide in, like, everything. Like, they they keep me they keep me grounded, um, my family and my friends. And, like, you know, there are moments where you're not, like, this, this process is very tough. So they're the ones that hear the 
the you know the real like when you're really in your low moments they hear your high moments they hear your low moments and they honor and they're like like um you know create space for you to do that but i've also been really fortunate to have found people who have you know help who also have held that type of space for me here and looking forward to like continuing to foster like you know new um relationships and connections through my time here I love that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And then finally, give us three book recommendations. Oh, you know I got the books. <laughs> you know I got the books. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So book that I'm reading right now um, that I love so much is um, it's called Essentialism. Ooh. The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Uh-huh. I love that book. In fact, I wish I read that book like before starting school. Um, and it's just kind of like learning. Um, I do want me to go into detail of each sure. of the books. Okay. This book is really focused on like how we can pursue the mindset of like less is better. Mm-hmm. I think we're in a society where there's a lot of noise and like, you know, pushing us towards doing more. We think if we do more, we'll be more successful. But like, how do you kind of like pare down yeah. and prioritize and like really like ruthlessly prioritize what matters for you and how do you create um an ecosystem for yourself to do so Um, it's a really great book i forget the name of the author off the top of my head but um i'm never really good at remembering names anyway so (laughs) um so that's one book um another book that i'm finally finishing reading is the children of bone is it the children of blood and bones Mm. um and it's like this fantasy story written by Tomi Adayomi, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's like this fantasy um, novel by, she's a Nigerian-American author. And, you know, she talks about, um, she like she's like blending what I really think is cool, like magic and like, um Yoruba culture into like this really dope adult fantasy book. Mm-hmm. Um and apparently I think she's going to be like she's it's a two-part book and I think that they're actually she's going to be actually their Paramount may have signed her for like a series. So I'm excited to that's see so like exciting. what that's going to look like. So that's a book that I'm reading um now. Um and then I started reading a book like I'm taking a class here called the um the um the business of aesthetics mm-hmm. so one of the professors that's teaching the class she's teaching um her name is pauline brown so i'm reading her book i, I started reading it for class but it's actually a really great book it's called the um the it's called the business it's like the aesthetic intelligence like yeah aesthetic intelligence and the way the book is framed is like you know it's like another lens to like look at business in a different way how aesthetics is not just exclusive to like aesthetic businesses like businesses that are focused on aesthetic but like how you can like hone your aesthetic sensories to like and and, like you know create a unique experience for consumers i think that's a really the book has been really good like it's a really really good book yeah that's a really cool diverse mix of different books um so so grateful well Idroma, we've reached the end we of the podcast I can't uh, believe it. i'm so so grateful for your time and for you digging deep and sharing so much 
about your upbringing, about your current um, being, and about your future. It's Thank so, you. so exciting. Um, look, I really, really recommend people stop your drama if you see her in the corridor, spark up some conversation, get coffee. She's already told you that's like, you know, part of her mission this semester and mm-hmm. going forward to meet people. You know, that's what we're here for. And you really can't go wrong by getting to know Joma. You won't Aww, regret it. Thank you. Um, so thank you once again so much for being on the podcast and the final words are yours. Thank you. It's an honor to like be on here and um, you know, thank you for creating this space for us. I, I think I think we'll look back and really, really appreciate that. I I wanna I wanna listen to this pod, this episode like five years from now and see how I feel. Like that that's what I'm really looking forward to. Cold summer night, should've put my arm around your shoulder uh-uh, I'll just hold ya Cause last night I was thinking all these things I'm not supposed to I guess I didn't see it coming Guess I was afraid of loving someone again Falling, sinking